0: Welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. This is part seven of The Death Show. It's our second one that we're focusing on teachers and mystics, and our lineup is the A-team. It's incredible the amount of people that we have, the caliber and the quality. Some of these individuals rarely do interviews, so I'm just so thankful and so appreciative. And one of the reasons why we get these people is because I am a pain in the ass I will ask repeatedly until I either get a yes or a restraining order. And (laughs) one of the first individuals we have on this show is an excerpt from the late metaphysical visionary, Stuart Wilde. He was a dear friend, a former publicist, and this is one of the greatest metaphysical teachers of all time. And he's going to offer profound insight on death. And let us begin with his clip right now.
1: Let us review. The higher self has an ability to perceive what it's going to be getting into, and it comes into the physical plane because it needs to experience the confinement and restriction of the physical plane. That is a part of the ancient wisdom. That is a part of understanding that the things that you see out there, the war and the famine, the degradation, the inability of people to balance energy, the, the violence, the, the, the lack that is a part of the higher self's understanding. And so if you look upon a nation of people and you see them dying of starvation or for lack of water, if you cannot go beyond the emotional involvement, if you cannot understand that that is part of spiritual evolution, then you can never proceed within the ancient wisdoms or within your spiritual growth. Why is that? The reason is because you are emotionally attached to the physical plane. And we are talking about you taking an energy from within yourself, this internal initiate energy that is within you there, that seed, that potential that you have within you, and going beyond the earth plane, evolving to other dimensions of perception, to other parts of the total spirituality that there is. Now, how can you evolve to something else if you're still stuck in the earth plane? You can't. To evolve beyond the earth plane, you literally have to leave it. And that is why the path of the initiate is always a path of great loneliness, of great tribulations, because as you begin to turn and face the negativity within yourself, as you begin to come in touch with that inner heritage, this ancient wisdom that's within you, all that you have been rises up, rears its ugly head, so to speak, and forces you to face it. It is the dragon within you. And as you face that, and as you transmute the negativity to a total, eternal, godlike spirituality within you, as you begin to do that, you literally begin to leave the earth plane. You're still here. You're still in a physical body. You can still perceive what is going on. You can see the degradation. You can see the starvation. You can see the imbalance. But you're not part of it. If you then are emotionally attached to what you see, if you look at somebody's body that, say, is falling apart, and you look at that body and you say, this is not good that this person's body is falling apart, you are judging the situation. You are linking yourself on an energy pattern, and you are coming forward and you are actually playing God. You are saying, this is not a good situation. You cannot, on an inner level, judge what is good and what is not good. You cannot know when it is time for the higher self inside that body to leave or not leave. You cannot look at a higher self that is experiencing starvation in Africa and say this is not a good evolution for this higher self. For if you do judge things like that, you return back to the level of the very thing that you judge. If you criticize something, your energy pattern falls to the level of the thing that you criticize. And so the first step In creating this energy within yourself, this like radiant initiateship, is you detach yourself from the physical plane. You do so through non-judgment, through understanding that what you see in the physical plane is a part of evolution.
0: Joining us now is Mr. Jeff Casper, metaphysical teacher and healer. You can learn more about him by going to his website at transcodes.com. Mr. Casper. Welcome back to the program, and our focus of our program today is on death. Yes. And I was wondering, <laughs> when a person dies and they've passed and they've gone from physical to spirit, how does that change their energy? And how do you perceive the soul? I My understanding is that you see the soul as practical
2: codes in the physical, in the waking physical. How does that change their, their codes? Well, it really doesn't. I mean, when a person passes, regardless if it's, you know, sudden or if it's known from a long time they have an illness, whatever, whatever energetic state they're at, which is more of a consciousness level, they kind of transcend to that. So they go right to where they're kind of used to. So if a person's at a conscious level of love and understanding and trying to be compassionate and whatever their understanding is, you have to realize that when a person transitions, there's there's countless places they can go. And there's, you know, just as many planets as there are, you know, spiritual realms to go to. And they align to the ones that their energetic energy is set towards. So if a person lived their life with control, manipulation and anger and hurting people, well, where are they going to go? They're not going to understand compassion. They're not going to understand empathy. They don't, to go to a place that's all light and happy, um, they'd be bored out of their minds. It wouldn't make sense. It actually hurt. So they're going to go transition right to a spot that they make sense to. So when you transition, it's almost like, you just go there. It's not. It's not the um, a major shift. It's just you go to the spot that makes sense. So which you you to the spot the what's a, what, that's a corresponding energy? Yeah, what you align to is where you go to.
0: So I'm curious. If you look at Earth, it seems that you have a you know a mixed bag of light and dark yes. and you know all varieties. So where did people come to prior to Earth?
2: Is that a I mean, well? It'd be individual on that, but there's some type of a carbonic pull. Typically for the, at least what we've seen for the, for the earth or what I've seen also is that it's a, it's almost like a purgatorial state. Not that it's purgatory, but it, it, you have a vast array, especially now compared to even 50 years ago or a hundred years ago, you can go through extreme levels of pain and suffering and you can go through extreme levels of love and beauty and, and enlightenment all in one plane. So whoever chooses to come here likely wanted a boost <laughs> either to, either to go downward. And really spiral into, you know, denying um, higher power, whatever you call, you know, whatever you call higher power. Or they chose to come here to give it a shot and really push um, to go for more love, more light, and possibly go into those um, more spiritual, higher spiritual realms.
0: So as you mentioned pretty interesting. So you think that somebody who's dark says, you know what? I'm going to become a real dark entity, so I'm going to go to Earth because that'll accelerate my darkness. Is that well, can I actually
2: possible? You know, I, I, it would have to be somebody really, really low on their conscious scale. But Good. at some point, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, Stuart talked about this many times. Stuart Wilde, you know, he he talked about, mm-hmm. and I firmly believe that, that you kind of pick the setup that you have when you come to this plane. And I also believe, partially, that you pick this plane or whoever you go to, to have a chance to evolve. But as you. As you grow up and go through all the dramas of, you know, formative years and childhood and all the pains and traumas and joys with that, at some point you have to make a choice. And that choice is either to, to let things go and go more towards love or to deny that and go more towards typically the lower emotional states, you know, control, anger, violence, all that kind of stuff, manipulation. And in your choices, that's where you start to have that um, propensity to go where you're going to go next. So a person can come here with all the beautiful tools in the world and you've probably met people like that who have loving parents, a decent upbringing, not perfect, but decent. And for whatever reason, through the traumas they've chosen to go through or, uh, or they've not chosen, but the traumas that they go through, all of a sudden they choose to deny that inner power. They deny that connection to, to the, you know, higher power. And then they, they keep going downwards. And we've also met people, I know several people, who came into this world into a hellish state. I mean, like violence, abuse, alcohol, drugs, whatever, you know, you name it. And they somehow perpetuated themselves out of that. And now they have this tremendous drive to really push to be loving, to be into beauty, um, to expand their consciousness as, as long as they can on this plane. So it it really comes down to a combination of karmic propensities kind of where they came from because there's multiple, you know, places they can come from. And sometimes they come from Earth and they reincarnate and come back in to really work something out they didn't get last time. But there's always a choice.
0: Okay. And as far as the reincarnation cycle, does a person typically only have a certain amount of lifetimes that they can live on Earth? Is their spirit only given them a lot of amount of time so they can do it? Or are they bound to come back repeatedly until their spirit is satisfied with the lessons that they need to learn within the physical body within the earth plane,
2: I, I would think it'd probably be more of the latter. I don't necessarily think you have a uh, you know a certain number of because your soul is eternal, so mm-hmm. the concept of time is a bit off for that. But I I believe you keep going until, and I don't think and there's probably souls that have re- repeated the same life over and over again because they just aren't ready to transcend. They like it too much, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, maybe they need two thousand years of. Of um, you know egotistical power and you know those kind of games. There's nothing wrong with that, but I believe at some point you keep seeing those repetitive patterns until it either you know the pain of staying in it is is you know less than the pain of change. It's more than the pain of changing. So once the pain of changing becomes greater than that, then you then you shift out of it. And then you have typically another trend, you know you do transition to another consciousness level doesn't mean you're going to transition out of this plane at that point, but when you you do pass you you may choose to go to a different spot or come back here and keep working until you don't need to
0: All right now when this transition happens when you physically depart mm-hmm. and you are out of your body from you have any insight or a gauge on how a spirit
2: is able to communicate with people who are still here um can they do it?
0: Right. Is it possible? There's, for
2: them? there's countless entities and beings that that communicate with people on this on this plane. Um, and of course, the challenge always is is what what is their purpose and what is their intention. So a lot of times, that people do channeling or they they get they get advice from beings of various kinds, you really have to be cautious and, and sense what is their intention. Is their intention? Because a lot of them are a lot of their intentions are what some people would call lower astral, and they're all about control and kind of just dragging you around by your nose. Other times there are there are you know beings that really try to help you break free and they'll help you for a while and then you've kinda of got past that and they're no longer needed. So a lot of times when people have experiences with guides, as you call that, or beings that that come in, I would always check the intention. Check the intention of it and, and watch over time what they're doing. You know, a lot of times they'll repeat. And once they start repeating, either A, you've got the lesson or B they're not what you need.
0: Got it. And if a person has passed that somebody's very close to what are some of the? Is there anything that a person can do in their physical right now that they can offer to help that person who's passed? Is there any kind of consolation they can do? Is there any means to help the person who's passed, who's on the other side, to, so someone to help dies, them?
2: So yeah if, we're, yeah, if we're good friends and you pass, yeah, yeah, of course you can immediately um, you can wish them the best. You can send them your love and say, I wish you the best. I, I you know I I want you to have the next journey, whatever is, is for your highest good or for what you you need, and then let them go. The the biggest thing you can do once a person passes past the, you know, of course, there's always going to be a grieving state and all the the typical psychological things. But then letting them go is vital because holding on to them can really affect your energy as the person is holding on and sometimes affect them because they have chosen to go to their next their next step. So by letting that go, what you do is you honor that tremendously tremendously. What if you have a situation where it's you know you're, you're a crisis
0: moment and you would love to know if that person who's past can help or if, like you know say for example you just Stuart I think a lot of people love Mister Stuart Wild and they're, they're probably like wondering oh you know if Stuart was here what would you do or Stuart you know can, if you if you ask Stuart for help you ask anyone who's crossed over for help are you actively are you negatively impacting them are you holding their spirit bound someplace by it calling upon them or asking them
2: something? Well, you gotta, I mean, there's a multitude of things going on there. If, you know, if the person who passes has karmic ties back to this plane, it's very possible, you know, and sometimes when we work with people, their karma and their past life stuff, you unwind things like that. And it's not, and it's not saying what the people are doing or asking for help or bad or wrong or the person who passed, but what happens is there's an unwinding of that. There has to be a letting go of it. So, I don't, I don't, you know, feel that you know if a person asks what would Stuart do or what would you know this, what would this teacher do, um, I don't think those things are bad, you know, because then they're, you're just asking for insight into what an energy would do, but to call in someone who's passed on, I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, that's my view because I, I want to honor that passing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, and no, those energies are there. You know, the energies of Stuart. So sometimes, yeah, there are, are there times when visions of, of, of his presence come in? Sure. You know, but I always honor that as, okay, that's just a symbol. You know, and I, I let that go. Cause obviously either Stuart has likely moved on or probably, possibly reincarnated, you know.
0: I would love to see where he is, and I wonder if where he what he reincarnated as. I was always going to think he was going to be reincarnated as a Guinness factory, but we'll hopefully see. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jeff Casper, thank you so much for your great insight on death. To learn more about Mr. Casper, please go to his website at transcodes.com. Thank you so much, Mr. Casper. Thanks returning to the program. Is Mr. Chris Krepsik, founder of the dot com. metaphysical teacher Mr. Krepsik, welcome back to the program thank you so much for being with us today thank you Ryan Thank you Chris our focus of today is on death and I was wondering if you can please relate to the audience your perspective on the Luna this idea that we are simultaneously existing in the physical present reality as well as the afterlife how does that uh, Luna theoretically speaking work
3: well, it's kind of a misconception because um, death is an illusion in the first place, and the Aluna is a mirror world, multi-dimensional level of reality. It's not really the afterlife necessarily because it's there right now while people are living, and a person is way more multi-dimensional um, than what they think. You know, you're not just a body; you're energy, and you're a spirit. And the multi-dimensional nature of reality is that you are. Um, existing in uh, a level of reality which is the physical earth plane but your consciousness and spirit it extends beyond you as a vibrational frequency of light and it's not limited to the same constraints as 3d reality is but your spirit's alive it's your living spirit it's your soul it's more alive than your physical body is So, the physical earth plane is just one level of reality that you're experiencing at any given moment, and your mind formulates it into the reality that you're experiencing. It's making your reality solid in the observation of particle states.
0: Sure. Now, where you are in the Luna, is that just a reflection on the current life you're physically, you're currently experiencing in the physical life incarnation, or is that Luna self a culmination of all other lives that you have lived.
3: Um, I wouldn't say that you could put it that way exactly because there are, okay. there are, I, I call them schisms. Um, there are different aspects of a person that are in more than one spot at any given time because you're not limited or constrained into, it's totally different than 3d reality where you're in one place at one time. Um, in those worlds, you can be in several different dimensions all at once. So your past lives and things like that would exist basically as a digital memory uh, and energy. And it's something that you can access, but your, your higher self can exist in more than one place at any given moment. The location that you're in, in the spirit worlds, primarily people are all, everybody in the earth plane are existing within the collective subconscious etheric field. And it's a mirror world reflection of, what they look like in this world.
0: Okay. And if somebody... I'm just curious, when you perceive the Luna, what do you perceive as far as a spirit goes when a person is happy when they're sad. Are they constantly moving to different degrees of heaven or hell based on what they have in their heart, or based on what they're going through in this reality? Yeah,
3: there are different levels and sections to it, but basically your lunar self is a direct reflection of whatever your inner feelings are. And your inner feelings are affected by whatever your subconscious programming and rigid intellectual opinions are.
0: Okay. And do you feel or have you observed that... Ego is something that only coincides with the human existence? Is the journey from ego to self only a, a challenge that human being's face, or is that a challenge in some degree, shape, or form that all life forms will have to perceive or go through at some level?
3: Well, the ego is basically an illusion but, um, of a person's self-importance, um, but it does affect the way that their spirit looks on an energy level. And the locations that they're in, um, which that gets back to the programming basically of if you're, if you're programmed to think a certain way, uh, act a certain way, the quality of your attitudes, um, whether they be negative or positive, it's not really just negative or positive, but it comes down to like the quality of your light or the quality of your darkness. Um, your ego, your ego affects that. So you do actually have some aspects of yourself in those worlds that are kind of ego based because it's programmed.
0: Okay. and based on your vibration of how you're progressing on the earth plane can you get to a point where your vibration is either too high or too low to exist in any way shape or form on the earth plane
3: yeah you can vibrate so fast you just disappear from here and you're in another world really yeah
0: <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that's, that's fantastic so I'm curious how do you how would you accelerate your vibration that fast
3: uh, well, that, it comes down to, um, entering deep trance states, slower brainwave speeds, um, uh, as well as understanding a few etheric maneuvers to move you into those inner worlds and deep levels. And basically, you have to let go of your ego altogether and you have to let go of your illusion of what you think reality is. Reality's not solid. Um, you have to let all of that stuff go and then you realize that you're nothing but basically a flowing circuitry of light and vibrations. And as that speeds up, the energy speeds up faster and faster, it takes you through different dimensional levels, which you would perceive as other other worlds, parallel universes, that kind of thing. Wow.
0: Now, to get to that point, how do you go from taking that concept, embracing it on an intellectual level, and say, listen, I, Chris, everything you just said, I believe it, I embrace it, how do you truly put it into practice when you've got so many years of conditioning to make you believe that you are a body and that you're constrained and restricted by the body and that what you just said is not palpable or believable on a collective conscious scale, which I guess seems to repress you? Well, that
3: that is exactly what the spiritual journey is. The spiritual journey is the process of neutralizing the ego, um, transcending the ego, processing human shadow and programming inside the subconscious human mind, to expand your conscious into a broader perception, a broader awareness and perception of reality. And um, that takes you into levels of etheric perception. It's not necessarily an overnight process, um, but a person can experience an awakening that shows it to them instantly. um, And then those kind of experiences will stick with them forever because they know there's something more than just the tangible 3D form.
0: Are there a couple of daily practices that you'd recommend? You talked about uh, the meditation of even uh, going to is there Can you please elaborate a little bit more on the daily practices that a person could do to really start to accelerate their perception of these realities?
3: Um, that's just working with your perception and learning to look at things differently. And, um, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Obviously, meditation is beneficial to anybody um, that wants to experience those levels of reality. Um, The main thing is not to get too hung up on the importance of this reality and all of the illusions and the emotion and drama because those those are the fields of control, basically. There are two fields that um, basically blind people from the perception of the multidimensional nature of reality, and it all comes down to emotion and mind. But most people don't even understand what emotions are or what consciousness is, for that matter. Um, people think in terms of everything being the mind, and that's what consciousness is, but that's not what it is. Consciousness is a feeling. Consciousness is a subtle vibrational feeling. And you have to get over looking at separating yourself from your body and your higher self because they're all just one. You're just experiencing it in different levels of whatever perception you can maintain.
0: Okay. And how would you know the difference from a chemical reaction that is occurring with your body, a influx or lack of serotonin within the brain uh, that would allow you to feel really good or have genuinely good emotions compared to the feeling of your spirit of genuinely feeling good?
3: Well, you wouldn't necessarily know it. Okay. You know, people wouldn't know it. They wouldn't necessarily be able to go, oh, I've got a low serotonin level or DMT level in my brain at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, they
3: don't necessarily know that. That's another part of the the thing is that you start, to, you change your chemistry, and you change um, as you take to the journey of expanding your consciousness. You are literally um, shifting the way the synapses in your brain work and the way your chemistry is. Got it.
0: And coming back to a question I uh, asked a little bit earlier about the uh, human experience and how it falls into the evolution of your spirit. Does processing the shadow, processing the darker qualities within, is that something that is just affiliated with human evolution or is that something that, again, that would occur on other levels of spiritual evolution or other beings? Yeah, it,
3: no, it definitely exists on other levels and with, with other beings. There are definitely dark beings that aren't necessarily human and there are definitely um, human spirits that end up on, say, like the darker side of things. And what I always tell people is it doesn't really matter what dimension you're in. Every given moment you have is um, a moment and a potential to enhance the quality of your consciousness with more light and and love. And um, so it doesn't really matter. You are always in the eternal now. And what matters is what is the quality of the way you perceive things and what's the quality of your attitudes right now in the moment.
0: And as far as... Enhancing your perception and growing a little bit more. If a person is very, let's say, kind to animals or um, helps others, how does that accelerate your ability to grow and perceive? I mean, it's saying this, this tenderness, this generosity—do those elements accelerate your perception, or is that just something that will just they, elevate your vibration?
3: They do. They, they enhance your perception and um, your vibration because. Um, basically it's developing the quality of your light and living with the quality of your light rather than within controlling attitudes and um, harmful attitudes or actions for that matter. Chris, But I, also, I would also mention on that one, though, as far as helping people, you have to be cautious with that one because a lot of people fall into the white shadow when it comes to that. And um, a lot of people look at it from the point of view of catering to the ego of others. And catering to the ego of others doesn't really do anything to, um, enhance the quality of their evolutionary experience because it just, it just traps them in the trap that they're trying to escape. So you have to challenge the ego, you have to contradict the rigid intellectual pi- opinions of the person. There's no way to expand your consciousness without contradicting the programming and rigidity that the mind has now. It has to be willing to expand, and that means to see things differently from all per- angles of perception rather than just the narrow minded views.
0: You mentioned before about not infringing upon people, but if you see something happening in the world that is very awful and you do something to stop it in any way, shape, or form, are you preventing or stopping evolution from taking place? Are you putting a restriction upon yourself? From not allowing that event to just be what it is, you can.
3: It depends on the situation. I mean, if something bad was happening to me in front of me, I would do something to help the situation as best I could. But you also have to think of it like this. Um, a good example of it is: uh, you ever been in a bar fight? <laughs> you know what? I have not.
0: <laughs> well, I'm usually I would be at the bar dragging. Yeah. Have you
3: ever seen a um, uh, a, a man and woman arguing? at a bar who have had a little bit too much to drink and they get a little bit abusive with each other. Yes. Okay. Now my first feeling if a, if a man was hitting a woman would be to jump in and interfere to stop him from doing it. Nine times out of 10, if you do that in a bar type situation and you interfere with the guy, the woman's going to jump on your back and start smacking you for doing it because she's defending him. Do you understand that? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You're talking about dealing with the dysfunctional attitudes of people, and they don't necessarily always want you to save them or interfere. God, you probably want to stay out. Well the, uh, well, the situation, I'm just using that as a dramatic example, mm-hmm. but it's the same principle. You can actually interfere with things to a point to where it backfires on you, and then you find yourself all wrapped up in, in the mess. And... um People don't necessarily want to change. You have to remember that. A huge portion of the world is still plugged into the matrix, wrapped up in the illusions of ego. They don't necessarily want you to interfere with that or unplug them, you know? Right.
0: Chris, the final question I have for you is there are people who are suffering because they either lost someone very close to them or that they know someone who's, who's suffering. What advice would you give to somebody Who's experienced a loss firsthand? Who've lost someone very close to them? Is there anything that, that person can do to um, heal themselves, console themselves, or even reach out to the to the person who's departed? Who's in the Luna?
3: Yeah, well, it's kind of back to the the beginning of this conversation yep. where death isn't even real. It, it takes a matter of shifting their perception from that. Um, you know, death is just change. It's just. <clears throat> It's just transformation. People fear death because they're afraid of change. And they're basically afraid of the unknown. And um, you neutralize that fear by agreeing to not know. You don't have to know everything. Um, You just kind of have to trust and have faith um, that the person, hopefully, is moving on to a better place. Um, They're definitely evolving into some other state because energy never dies. And that's what you are is energy. Energy never dies. It just transforms from one state to another. And so you know, when people are sad and upset about death, they're not really afraid for the person themselves. They're actually afraid of they're missing the person, they're, they're lonely or they miss that person's involvement in their life. They don't Do you, do you understand what I
0: mean?
3: Yeah. Well, it a physical It just basically just comes down to acceptance. Of the situation for what it is, and understanding that reality is way more multi-dimensional than people think. There is no life or death; just moments in, in, in transition.
0: Okay. Oh, actually, you know what? I I definitely wanted to get this last last one last thing in. Chris, have you? When a person dies, are they likely to see family members that have passed? Are they likely to see people that have been close to them or that have been around them most of their lives when they originally pass?
3: <clears throat> you can. It doesn't always happen that way. As soon as a person dies they're immediately stuck in a, in a holographic field that is perpendicular to the earth plane at 90 degrees and they come in from 90 degrees left and 45 degrees up left is the area of the recently departed and when someone dies they're given an opportunity to um, move in that direction okay and there's also other trajectories that they can travel into as well and that depends on whatever the person whatever direction that person is going on a spiritual level evolutionary level but yes you as soon as somebody passes they can also linger in the area to where you feel their presence and most of that has to do with um, the emotional attachment that both the people have for the person as well as the emotional t- attachment that the person had before they died because if they hadn't reached, an emotion, a level of emotional detachment from the physical plane and material possessions and things like that, or even people, it binds them to the earth plane. Emotional attachment binds people.
0: And wow. if you
3: have too much emotional attachment for somebody that's past, your emotional attachment can actually act as a force that kind of holds them there. So you have to be willing to let them go and let them be liberated and just breathe love to them and give them light, But don't try to hold on to them.
0: Well, so – oh, God. I was just I was just thinking that you know these celebrities that everyone mourns and loses, they probably have never left the earth. I mean because you think about some of these people that are so – I guess they're so widely known or famous. Maybe that's, that could be an Achilles heel that keeps you – never leave the earth. People are always thinking about you.
3: Well, it can affect it um i'd like to think that um you know if they were clever enough to process themselves and and evolve that they could handle it and move on anyway
0: Mr. Chris Krepsik the Hooded Sage metaphysical teacher always love having you on Chris thank you for to
3: learn
0: yeah. uh, to learn more about Chris please go to the website at thehoodedsage.com thank you so much Chris thank you Ryan joining us now is swami Sacha Dhanat, who is mentored by Yug Perush Swami, para man and welcome back to the program. Blessings and peace to have you.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, and I have been known as Reverend Sally Perry or Spirit Medicine, uh, but going forth now as a Swami in my eighth year.
0: Yes. And we actually had done a show on you previously. We got a tremendous response to it. We'll definitely post a link on this show. Question we're focusing on is death and is there an actual actual afterlife? What is your perspective on life after death?
4: Well, I know for a fact uh starting at a young age, uh at fourteen, uh my grandmother passed and I saw her I was sent to live with her at 7, and then at 16, not having seen my father uh, maybe a couple of times from 7 to 16, uh, he passed, and I was sent to bury him because my mother had remarried and and was pregnant with a stepsister, so she was forbidden to go. Uh, At 25, I had pneumonia. And actually, went in a coma, and uh, saw myself pushing the doctor off of me that wanted me to go ahead and die, so he could play golf. And then the you, wow, and so That's awful. The young doctor, he uh, was so afraid I would be the first one that he had experienced death with, and I was trying to tell him I'm okay. And the nurse was in the corner. She had given him, the young doctor, the wrong uh, apparatus to bring me back. And she was crying. So I was trying to tell her I'd be okay. So I explained that as being more alive dead than I was alive alive. And uh, my husband said, I don't want you to tell anybody that. There's no such thing. And then later when we were in, California living, he was in the Navy, Um, Raymond Moody was in the Parade Magazine experiencing a lot of what I had, but even at that time, there was no basic acceptance of such a thing as being alive on the other side and bringing back. But today, there's lots of it coming forth, so it's time for us to become aware that We drop this physical form, but our spirit and soul is eternal.
0: Okay. What I'm wanting to know is when you drop the physical form and you become the spirit, how strong is your personality or how like-minded is your personality compared to when you were in the physical form and the spirit form? Do you lose part of your personality? Do you lose a sense of who you are when you become spirit?
4: As I understand it, when you die, you take your strongest thought, emotion, and your heart center. So any unresolved or long-held attachments go with you to your next lifetime. And this is what we call the embodied soul that keeps coming back not the supreme soul that uh, is uh, formless.
0: And to what point do you become the supreme soul, or is the supreme uh, supreme soul, theoretically speaking, your higher self?
4: Uh, Your higher self becomes like that divine spark that is in everything that's part of God.
0: Swami, when people change from the physical to the spiritual form is there one set dimension which is known as the spirit world or is the spirit world comprised of infinite number of realities based on the love or hate that the person had in their heart while they're in the earthbound form uh,
4: it's the second it, uh, when you say hate in the heart, there has to be a thought and emotion. This is the medicine wheel, and this is also what Swami Parmananji taught me that I'm teaching the same thing, that everything is mental first, then it's emotional, then it's physical, then it's spiritual, and then it goes to the heart. So we take everything, mind is the creator and the destroyer. So we take our strongest mind sets and our strongest emotions. And our heart with us. So, according to that uh, mindset, we create, there are many, we're multidimensional, and there's many dimensions that people go to. Now, okay. when people are dying, another misunderstanding is you think they're losing their mind, but what they do first is transfer their mental energy to their spirit body. They have to have that to move around in their spirit body. So the mind goes, then the emotion, and eventually then the heart. So that is a transference, and I like people to know that so they don't worry about people losing their mind. Sometimes I think this whole thing of... Alzheimer's is a preparation of doing work before they go into their spiritual body. And some people I've worked with, I see it as um, they're doing spiritual work ahead of time. They're finished here. and okay. So they take their mind to the other side and they don't uh,
0: experience but
4: it- this form very much.
0: But if they do that and they're doing the work and they're done, why why couldn't their body overall just, you know, figure out a way to, you know, pass completely? Why would their body remain?
4: Because people here pull them or need them. I've worked with people that, I mean, their husbands are wrong with cancer and wanting to go. And they're begging them to stay. And they're staying in all their pain because of their wife or the hus the wife is staying because the husband or the children, there's always a reason if someone is staying, especially in serious situations.
0: But does that pain and suffering that the person is experiencing while the others want them to be there, is that pain and suffering contributing overall to their greater evolution, or is that pain and suffering needless, or is that pain and suffering A means of that individual who is suffering showing a grander gesture of love towards the people around them
4: Uh, that would be your last explanation great also Uh, but there's many reasons for pain and suffering and that's part of our karma you know uh, that we may choose to take on lineage energy as the Native Americans teach of pain and suffering of a father or a mother To try to stop it so it doesn't go on into the children we pray seven generations back and forward uh, for healing of the lineage energy
0: Uh, Swami if a spirit is on a trajectory of evolutions where it has had life after life where you would call it enlightened where it was aware of its presence where it had a heightened sense of capability then it takes a physical life incarnation to experience restriction, and it experienced restriction in a form of organized religion. And the organized religion, or whatever belief institution that spirit takes on, leaves such a strong impression upon them. Is it capable for that spirit, or that human being, when it dies, to actually not have a wherewithal within the spiritual realm because that previous physical life incarnation was able to leave such a strong impression? That would be considered maybe stronger than some of the previous life incarnations that spirit had when they were enlightened.
4: As I understand, once the soul is enlightened, uh, there's different levels of that. Uh, Swami even said it would take him about 10 years after his guru initiated him. To fully realize that he understood and was teaching what he was taught so just like with any anything I see it as a ladder that we're climbing in consciousness and we reach back and help others climb and some ahead of us reach back and and help us climb so the evolution is eternal that's the reason our souls are eternal because even when we become very elevated, we either are voted back or have a choice to come back to help people. But no matter how evolved you are, you will either have one thing yet to come back to learn, or you will take on one thing that you can come back into the density of this earth plane. The very highest. Takes
0: on at least one thing you talk in your book about awakening the Brahma state within you that if I uh, correct me from wrong that you are going to continue to have a physical life incarnation upon physical life incarnation until you reach the state of frequency and then you evolve what out to a different reality how does that happen and are some spirits bound for an eternal cycle of reincarnation and never to escape it, like it's almost as if it's a trap.
4: Well, as I see it, you can either spiral down with the karmic uh, burdens that we have taken on through our own actions or our family's actions, uh, or you can spiral up. And if you choose to spiral up, then you lift yourself out, perhaps of poverty, into a lifetime where you're taken care of uh, or a lifetime where you come in to be a maybe a great minister like Joel Osteen, teaching, you know, but very humble, but teaching uh, that we can all do it and to release our fears. And I go back to the old teachings of uh, Course in Miracles, in Jerry Jampolsky's work, where there's only two emotions, love and fear. So if we can equate any of our sadness or our anger or resentment to just be in fear, and based on that, Swami Parmananji Maharaj says that we only have three things we deal with, superiority, inferiority, and our death. Those are the three big issues. So all the other things are interwoven to be feeling very inferior or superior and our death.
0: Okay. Thank you, Swami. When we pass into our from a physical form and we're in the spiritual realm. My understanding is that that is eternity that is all things that have ever taken place and all things that will take place all in one reality if the spirit is eternal if the spirit is infinite if the spirit is all things that will it'll ever be become what is the purpose of incarnating in a physical body what is the purpose of time because if eternity exists aren't you already at that point of the peak evolution because you're without the illusion of time?
4: You're talking about the embodied soul as opposed to uh, the eternal soul. Okay. Which is the supreme soul, which is formless, formless consciousness. My Native American teacher, I said, Joseph Rael, took me to the door of formless consciousness. Swami Paramanan, walked me through and has taught me how I got there. And I'm still ongoing learning. We never stop wow. learning. The ego thinks you've stopped learning because you have a PhD or because you've had this great teacher. We never Great teachers never stop learning. Now, the embodied soul. when I first met Swami, he kept talking about the supreme soul, and I thought, well, you know i'm I'm doing I'm a medicine woman. I'm doing all these soul retrievals. Am I you know living off of a great illusion or something? And uh, he said, "No, we were traveling from l a to San Francisco in a car, and he said to somebody, "Hand me that Coke bottle on the floor." And he held up the Coke bottle and he said, This is the embodied soul. It has all your karmic uh, and all the things that you've come in to do. The Supreme Soul is in this Coke bottle, it's in this embodied soul. And it doesn't need the embodied soul, but the embodied soul needs the Supreme Soul to. To come in and do the karma. We come in to to do our karmic work. Cause and effect the Bible talks about, you know? And it's not only your cause and effect, but your lineage cause and effect. And that's Swamp. energy on this planet now. That's why it's so strong. People I'm working with are working through. You know, eight, ten. I worked with a lady from Canada yesterday working 15 past lives. Different patterns and forms that she brought forward in lineage energy to help heal.
0: Um, speaking of healing karma or discussion about karma, if you harm someone in your physical lifetime, if you help someone in your physical lifetime but the repercussions of harming or hurting are not felt or correlated back to you in that physical lifetime for which you bestowed the action will you experience the repercussion or the karmic result in your passing in the afterlife which you are passing or does that karmic action for one life incarnation meet its end result in a future life incarnation or does that action even meet you in a previous life incarnation because the cycle of evolution, again, I'm it's infinite. So could your actions actually affect you on that level too?
4: It's about balance. It, 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 the way, the balance. Think about the scales. If the karmic wrong you did was far greater than the karmic good, then you still have to work out. In other lifetimes and you may be uh, suppose you've harmed a woman that you may in another lifetime have to birth that child in and love it and nurture it be a man or a woman
0: and as far as karmic ties go what are some of the things that a person can do right now in this life incarnation To clear out karma, not only from this life, but from other lifetimes to minimize their chances of having to return in a physical form just for the whole purpose of experiencing karma.
4: Uh, The main thing that I teach and have for years and was part of a four-part program at the UN in 2000 at the Millennium World Peace Summit we worked on conflict resolution, starvation, homelessness, and forgiveness. And forgiveness was something I was given at an early age to do and then studying to be a unity teacher. I had to do it for a year. I did it for four years. It perpetuated my opening awareness and ability along with learning breath to uh, have these experiences of past lives myself that took me uh, maybe three hours to a year and a half alongside this life to process out of my DNA. Swami, For
0: forgiveness if, um, is
4: the biggest thing. Forgiveness, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the heart. You can go to my web and get it. Uh, I've spent whole weekends with people doing forgiveness work. I've done every year, I'm asked to come back to different places to do more forgiveness work. If you think you're finished, you're not. If you're happy and really okay and not masking being okay with your mother and father, maybe you're getting closer. If you're unhappy in your relationship or projecting on someone else, as long as you blame someone else for whatever's happening with you, you cannot heal your own embodied soul and break that link that chains you down. It's only through forgiveness that we open our heart and we can actually connect to our higher mind and stay there. But as long as we live in a victim consciousness and this world seems to be 70 to 90%, some people say, in a victim consciousness, and you think as a victim and talk as a victim then you will come back as a victim in one way or
0: the other. Wait, can I just pa- just pause for one second? Do you, are you saying that people who have, you know, that are really struggling or at least they want to be elevated above others through victim consciousness, they're likely to return to the same consciousness they had because they didn't make an initiative to go beyond it?
4: Yes, because forgiveness, no matter whether you want to forgive the murderer of your mother or your father or your children, if you don't, you're going to come back with that person in another life in a different scenario. Edith Bore, F-I-O-R-E, I I don't know if she's still alive, uh, wrote a book called We've Been Here Before. And I write about that in my book when I didn't even understand this and had an experience of a lion eating me in a past life. Uh, And I wasn't raised to believe in reincarnation, Uh, but I had it thrust upon me for me to understand that all that I knew didn't just come from now.
0: Swami, how are feelings of extreme despair and extreme guilt seen or transferred over um, when you cross into the spiritual realm, and I guess the greater question is, what happens to a person who leaves this lifetime in suicide? Is that a um, seen as a major uh, setback in terms of their evolution on the spiritual trajectory?
4: Well, when I was so locked into a religious belief, uh, I thought the soul was damned which is a lot of the Christian teaching. Um, But when I experienced and I write about it in my body, I mean in my book, I write about how when my husband committed suicide um, two years after I divorced him, uh, how he appeared to me saying he was all right, he was okay. And part of me screaming and crying to God was to heal his soul and help it not be damned. I feel that his soul felt my despair because for nine years I thought I could stop it, you see. And I withdrew from healing work for eight months. And it was after that, when I returned, that I didn't see just a past life for somebody I was working with. I may have seen eight or ten lifetimes Stuck in the same thing, lifetime after lifetime. So think about it. If you have had a tremendously uh, sorrowful happening in your life and you still stay stuck in that and you can't get past it and you can't forgive it, and even if you're part of it, forgiving yourself is so important, then you're going to come back in and re-experience. It's all about mindsets. See, mindsets and the emotional body, like judgment, connects you to things. So if we can't forgive, we're still setting in judgment of ourself or others. And as long as you do that, you're going to continue in the same patterns
0: when a person has committed suicide is it ultimately it's an act? it's an act of forgiveness ultimately for themselves is that what it really comes down to and that they're going to continue to work on that act of self-forgiveness until they have it
4: uh, yes and the person around there's so many there's a story in india about a very high saint saw one of his students young guy maybe in his early 20s, was about to get fully enlightened. So he wanted to keep track of him. And the next thing he'd heard, he had committed suicide. Well, evidently, he had some of the mindset that he would be damned, so he was really concerned. Even though he was enlightened, why would this enlightened soul do that? And what happened is, as he meditated and fasted, that soul came and said, I committed suicide because it would teach more people different understandings of this way to die. Wow. Yes. So that helped me also when, in living in India when I heard that story from the saint.
0: We, when that spirit made the decision was that a conscious decision or was that a decision that the spirit's higher self ultimately may, ultimately made but it was manifesting in the form of depression because it would I, I find it difficult to perceive a enlightened conscious minded spirit saying well look you know I'm going to teach everyone a lesson by you know by killing myself
4: remember what I said that no matter how evolved they come in with one thing to learn yes you see what I mean? Maybe they've killed herself lots of lifetimes. People do that for different reasons. They do that to manipulate. They do that to get back at people. They, they do that to hurt them. You know, you didn't take care of me or you didn't do this for me. So I'm going to just kill myself. I used to counsel for a psychiatrist at the beach and he had this one woman he asked me about and I said, she's not going to kill herself in this lifetime. Her soul came in to not do it this time. And I saw him once at a party, and he come up, i got a client that just hates your guts. He said, because when she starts that, I said, well, I talked to Sally Perry. And she said, (laughs) you weren't going to kill yourself this lifetime. She said, I'm going to kill Sally Perry. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's just as many lessons for the soul that commits the suicide I feel that my ex-husband, because of all that that went on and that I had to finally divorce him, you know, I think he recognized that uh, I really was hurt by all he did and that I really did love him, but I couldn't live in that anymore, you know. And even one time coming back from a hair show when I had a beauty business in Washington, but within a few months, he started materializing beside me in my car. And I run off oh, wow. the road. I thought I was going to wreck. And all he did was turn and say, I'm sorry. So someone that knew said if he did that, he had to be a very evolved soul. Because you can't, I mean, there's a whole study about materializing from the other side.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because there are untold people who've lost uh, someone very close to them. And some people, apparently, they have seen images or they have seen their deceased relatives appear to them. And from what, you know, when they tell their stories, it seems to be such a wonderful experience. But there are also many who've never seen an image of the person around them who may not have ever felt they distinctly felt their presence around them. So, how can people visually see an image or visually see a spirit who's crossed over? Uh, because knowing that if they saw them, I'm sure that would be a substantial amount of healing. Why does that only happen to some people?
4: Well, you know, we are kinetic, which is touching. Some people see, some people have more hearing. It's according to the senses that are developed within you of how you perceive. Some just feel or know, you know, in that way. Lots of times when these horrible things happen, uh, our chakras are all blown up, open, our energy centers. And we can stay depressed and go down and play a victim, or we can spiral up, we can keep ourselves around positive people, around our spiritual leaders and teachers and those that pray with us, meditate with us, lift us up, through this darkest hour. And if we spiral up, we'll get gifts from that. And I think and part of, you know, death is that I love it more and more that people are saying, let's celebrate their life.
0: This, yeah. So we get, oh, well.
4: because if you start celebrating somebody's life, then you can leave this life celebrating yourself. For what all you've done, because you've forgiven yourself, you've forgiven others, you're a clean slate. You can celebrate leaving. And you can encourage other people to celebrate your your, uh, passing and all that you have done. And all the loving connections and faith, hope, and charity, which the Bible says, is all any healer can do. We can give faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest is charity, love. Anybody or anything, the longer I've lived, the more I understand that everybody, no matter how bad it seems, are exactly in their perfection of what they need to be going through.
0: So every lifetime, every person who's alive right now, they are exactly it's where they need to be as far as they're, they're like Perfect where like they perfect. are.
4: And if they can accept that, then they can accelerate quicker.
0: Ms. Swami, Satcha, Dhanat. Do thank not. you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us. To learn more about Satcha Swami Satcha Dhanat, please go to our website at SallyPerry uh, It was great, great talk with you. Really appreciate your insight. Really profound insight. Thank you so much.
4: And the website is not current about my Swami and all that I've
0: uh,
4: attained in the last eight years. But we're working on it.
0: Thank you. Welcome back to the program is Mr. Dick Sutton, metaphysical teacher and Roberta Sutton, metaphysical teacher and psychic medium. We can learn more about them by going to their website at org. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us again.
5: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks,
0: buddy. Hey, okay. what is the purpose of a physical life incarnation, and what happens when people die? What is uh, what is the common thing that a person can expect to see when they when they cross over?
6: Well, the common uh, answer, first of all, to that would be uh, to learn and to grow, and to face opportunities. To learn and to grow and to see how you handle them. Um, basically, I think that is why we're here. Would you agree with me? I totally agree. And we're here
5: um, filled with a bunch of challenging people so that we can learn yeah. grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. see how we react.
6: Yeah. So. Um, and I don't know who's keeping score because the challenging people. Get more challenging all the time. <laughs> yeah. you but,
5: you know, also the crossing over, Ryan, is going to be different for a lot of people. I mean, it's not going to be just one thing that they're experiencing. Um, people who are really working on this side to, you know, really grow spiritually are going to have a totally different experience than someone who just does bad things all the time. So okay. being... So that the, you know, opposite ends.
6: So being a good guy is better. Much better.
0: you yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I
6: know Roberta always asks people when we're counseling or working with them, uh, you've got an opportunity here to learn and grow. And you probably know that the most difficult, um, opportunity that you will embrace will be the hardest. And yet it will result in the most growth. So. Right. So you have, um, for example, you know, several choices that
5: you can walk along in, in life. Because everybody goes through this crossroads and usually it's the blocks that that's why you came here. That was your purpose. That block is really your purpose. And then you get to make a choice on what you're going to do about it or how you'll react to it. And like my husband was saying, the hardest choice is usually the Best for your spiritual growth. So it, it's uh, oh, really, yeah. So so the
0: most painful, most painful experiences is yeah, something that probably. will probably be the best for <laughs> Yeah. yeah
5: exactly. so, so don't be afraid. You'll go through them. Don't get stuck in them. That's what we always Gee. say. So, um, why I want
0: to know is the when you lose someone in this physical reality to someone's death, it seems to be like the most painful thing a person could experience. Is that? something that is common throughout other realms of existence where when you when somebody moves on and changes form, that it is as painful as it is in other dimensions as it is here. And the second part of that question is, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to have death in order for it to be a part of this evolution?
5: Well, well, <laughs> I, I would say the first part of your question is the reason why it is so painful for most people and, you know, for everybody, I would say, is um, because you feel separated. Do yeah. so we all feel like we're separated from the person who leaves? We don't see that they're still there. If you have a metaphysical belief, I don't believe it will be as painful. I think the separation, you can't hug them anymore. It's still there. But you know they're there, um, and they will give you evidence that they're there all, all the time. Agreed. So, yes. Yeah. I would I would say that, wouldn't you?
6: Yes, absolutely. So I was going to answer with one word, separation.
5: Yes. And <laughs> there you go,
6: got much more eloquent with it.
5: So. <laughs> you're going to tell me I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And the second part is just that I don't know that all the other realms you're going to have physical eyes that seem like you're separated, you know? Cuz then it really depends on the other side, Ryan, on your vibrational level, you know, of whether okay. you can see them or not. I mean, if you're a very high-vibrating soul, you know, spirit, you can come down to the other vibrations, but those in the lower
6: vibrational realms cannot see the higher realms. I was going to say okay. that sometimes, even when uh, we think we're pretty advanced, you get an opportunity. Yeah to glimpse maybe the higher realms and realize that you can't see necessarily um, beings of a higher vibration. You know, I know that we have gone to a console. We've actually been requested to go to a console in spirit. And some of the beings are vibrating at such a rate, they're really only halfway uh, visible. Even to Roberta, who is a medium, can see through to the other side. She can see the dead people who are here in the room right now. And um, powerful. Every time I see somebody on the other side, or have a an experience of seeing somebody on the other side, whoa! It's you know one of the highest vibrational things that I will ever experience. A oh, short time back, Roberta said, how would you like to meet Archangel Uriel? And uh, I can see oftentimes when there's a being in the room and I'll pick out either... An angelic yeah, being. Yeah, an angelic being. I'll be able to see them uh, partially or maybe just part of their body. Or it might be just a bright light in the corner of the room.
0: Well, you said you guys are able to see these and you're vibrating at a high frequency. Are there things that people can do right now to increase their vibration in order to perceive these higher realms of these beings? Is that why certain people see certain angels? Is that why people see people who have crossover in visual sense because they're vibrating at a certain frequency?
5: Well... I would answer that, that it just depends on what you came here to experience because you set up who you are. Um, you know, I, I used to always ask the question, why am I seeing, you know, when other people don't? Well, there was a reason. Um, that's one part of the answer. But you always have the opportunity to ri- raise your vibrational level. By um, My guide put it simply this way, just everything you think, say, and do, and all the intentions behind everything you think,
6: say, and do. And I turned to her and I go, oh, that's really easy. (laughs) Yeah, the motive, intent, and desire behind everything you think, (laughs) say, and do, just as well. Yeah, so, I mean, if you were a really serious student of metaphysics
5: and spirituality, and you thought, you know, I'll tell you, the the teacher to look to is, is Jesus. If you could act like Jesus, I'm pretty sure you know, in all aspects and be calm and everything that he represented, then you're pretty,
6: you're pretty assured to raise your vibrational
0: Yeah, I think so. For sure. Uh, Well, if we are up, if we are at a certain vibrational frequency in the physical body, and I imagine that, you know, if you go to heaven, your vibration raises, why can't people in this vibration in the physical body be able to automatically perceive um, hell dimensions because I would imagine that the hellish dimension would be a much lower vibration so I'm curious why we can't average people can't perceive hell because if it's much lower wouldn't we be able to see it very easily
5: well I'll tell you one thing that I've discovered about what I call the dark side mm-hmm. they really don't want to be seen they don't really? want you to know about them they're very good at hiding they're very good at being very slippery and it's the system and I don't understand it why other than this is just the testing area, you know, earth. But, no, they don't don't want you to talk about them. They will mess up your landlines. They'll screw up your computer. They'll, you know, discourage you in every way of talking about them or exposing them. To me, it's very simple. Your actions, your words are either reflecting God or they're reflecting the other side, you know, the dark side. In everything, Ryan. I mean, you know, every thought and everything. So if you're looking at someone in the media that's, you know, using, you know, ego and it's, they're just, you know, what you're describing, then they're not working through God. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. It's just lessons for all of us that are around them. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes,
5: it does to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my husband agrees. Though, <laughs> and I
0: guess the, the question is, um, how is it? Is it very? Is how hard is it to go to heaven? How hard is it to go to hell? I mean, is there a, is there a common place that most people go when when they when they die? I mean, do you only go to extreme heights in heaven or extreme heights in hell if you've done something incredibly good or incredibly evil?
6: Well, I'd be worrying about having done something incredibly evil. I know that. Um, I would agree that you're going to go to a heaven of your own making or a hell of your own making. And the way you've treated other people is probably the main thing um, that's going to affect what you experience, Ryan. I, um, I I really believe that we are our own judge, our own jury, and we are creating the future reality that we're going to experience uh, in how compassionate we are, how much um, that we care about others or go uh, out of our way to, to do good, basically. Um, I don't want it sounds kind of corny, but uh, I think it's true.
5: Yeah, in the end. And also it's a little more complicated because if you came down – To understand, you know, maybe you didn't quite understand being a bully and you came down to be a bully. It doesn't mean, you know, there's other sides to this. It's more complicated. You could be a very highly spiritual person, but you came down in this incarnation to experience that. That's a possibility. It's also one thing that we've studied quite a bit is um, sociopaths and psychopaths. And they're tied to the dark side. You know, it's, what's the figure, Richard, of sociopaths in our society? Well,
6: it's one out of every 25, so four out of a hundred.
5: Four out of a hundred, and they're the ones causing all the problems. And I'm really batting around with this theory that they're the ones that are coming up from hell, um, and going back. But one thing my guide explained to me that even though they come up, here as a sociopath or a psychopath, just because they're in alive, they're in, you know, human form, God has given them the light of creation in their heart, their heart chakra. So they always have a opportunity, even if they're that bad, that evil, to turn around and, and pray for God's forgiveness and, and move towards the light. We've actually had a client that has spent eons of time because she was one of these really bad people and and she just went through the climb back up to where she is today in this incarnation it was fascinating to go through and, and observe at one point I think she spent over a hundred years as a ghost roaming and she was you know she just went through hell really, <laughs> really? Yeah, to climb her yeah, this, way back up
0: well now this person you're talking about as a revolved spirit. Because if, if time is happening all at once, couldn't you be a ghost in one life incarnation and be in heaven in one life incarnation and be in hell in one life incarnation? I mean, is your spirit in all different places all at once based on how you lived in that particular physical body of, of the existence of that particular time? How do you unify also your spirit to be on one projected path?
6: Well, I don't necessarily buy the idea that all is going on At the same time. And Roberta, I know she doesn't, so... I believe
5: that the universe and God is creative, and so it is expanding always. It's in an expansion mode. And so um, that is a progression to me, you know. And I believe that the darkness collapses in on itself. So that's the way we look at it.
0: Okay, and... Just curious, um, if somebody really close to you has died, how do you uh, make a connection with them? How do you establish a connection and is there anything you can do to increase the chances of receiving messages or even visually seeing them?
6: Well, with Roberta, it would not be uh, much of a problem to see them um, after they've died. Uh, and with me, of course, I, I can't see, but I can communicate with thought language, or, and thought language is just communicating with thoughts. I would send, if I wanted to ask a question of someone who had died, I would send them a question, but with a thought, and then I would be quiet and I would wait uh, for a few moments until they sent a thought back to me, which I would perceive as just a thought go from my own mind. But if I'm used to communicating in this way, why, um, it's very easy to do, uh, Ryan, to use thought language and communicate. So we, we
5: do this all the time, but yeah. I would say the biggest thing. For other people to give them advice is to believe it. You know, you have to believe that they're there. I know um, my husband's brother just lost his wife. They were married, like, 20, 30 years or something, or 40 years. Yes. And um, he totally believes that she's with him and lays down with him at night, and he talks to her all the time. And it's not something that he's questioning. Um, So, and sometimes they will, if you like my mother questioned that and we took i took her out to a, her parents' graveyard and two beautiful butterflies were just flying around us and you know making these patterns and staying with us and i was trying to point out to my mother that's your parents because they will do that too they'll send you pennies or butterflies or i've got a a cousin whom i was very close to and he died and and the last gift he gave me before he died was a little silver ladybug. And so I see ladybugs all the time and I know it's him and he'll be right there.
6: So, yeah. but, but we believe this. Right. And we, we do things. I mean, to us, the idea of uh, the whole idea of death is really probably very different from most people's perception. I mean, we um, a, a few uh, months ago we were deciding one morning after seeing the film of Robert Downey Jr. of uh, Charlie Chaplin, and then we had um, we'd read a book that Chaplin had written, and we're fascinated with the man, and so Roberta said, "Well." why don't we have a conversation with uh, Charlie Chapman? And, you know, my reaction, well, of course we can. You know, I wish I'd have thought of of doing this. But um, we, again, we lie back in bed. We um, use a double terminated crystal, hold hands, and call Charlie Chapman in. And he came right in, and uh, we had a long conversation, at least a half hour, right. and uh, yeah. and it, it was it was very
5: interesting. I mean, it, it was funny because one of the things he said was, "Well, the movies got very formulaic; they they would follow the formula after that mechanical fish." Film came out. It took us a while to figure out mechanical. Oh, Jaws. <laughs> yeah.
2: He oh, thought <laughs> yeah, wow. they were
5: much more creative before them, but yeah. but see for us. Well, I think they were. <laughs> I do too. But for us, that's that's just you know our our way of life. We don't. Um, I know my husband sells uh, a CD under his classes called "Coping with Grief," because it's it's very difficult to have the separation, and. You know, yeah, I yeah, and even I just... even me. I mean, when I if I lose my mother, I'm going to go nuts. You know, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I know what happens, so I think it's just a human, you know, a natural human emotion.
6: Well, we the other night we were doing a meetup group here um, in Sedona, and it's just a group where anybody that wants to come can come, and uh, we had a room full of people. And we, um, we were experimenting with the concept of a, there's a part where when people die or when they want to go over and um, communicate with someone, and we do this too, you can just imagine it very vividly, call out to spirit, ask for your spirit's help, and you uh, and we go ahead and um, you can meet at meet this me. this garden because
5: everybody when they cross over if they're you know of course if they're not going to hell you usually meet in the garden and when Richard when you know he will hypnotize people and you know make them you know go through this process of meeting someone in spirit when you take the people to this garden everybody knows it. So that's, you know, some people said the garden, you know, is filled with, um, I I see a Japanese zen, you know, a little bridge, and and of course, it's, my husband says, well, I see a cowboy bridge, you know, but everybody kind of makes it different, but everybody will go to this garden, and you'll meet up, and, you know, it, you'll see your loved ones that you've been separated from, and it's a very joyous thing, and it's very beautiful, and there's, you know, buildings cool. and parks, so that's
0: we were at this place, I'm curious, when you are communicating with a person who has departed, are you communicating with their residual consciousness? Are you communicating with that spirit that's coming back to take on the persona of who they were in that past life incarnation that you were discussing with? And there's the second part that is, how can you be guaranteed that you're speaking with that particular spirit and not a higher or lower density vibrational spirit that wishes to impersonate the spirit in question?
6: Well, the last part of it there, uh, how can you be sure yep. that you are uh, communicating with a real person? Uh, I think this is going to come out of experience, experience primarily, and um, your own level and uh, and the Buddha's.
5: Well, praying. praying. You yeah. We're always praying for protection. That's like. Key. Yes. We don't do anything without having, you know, the God's white light around us. Plus, if you ever are in hypnosis and He takes you up to your higher self, you know who you're communicating. It's, yes. It's very interesting, uh, what happens, which really proves to me that we're just really spiritual, very, very spiritual beings. And, um, so no, yeah, it's, it's obvious because what will happen, especially if you trust, Ryan, is you'll see the person in your third eye.
6: Yes. Okay. So, yeah. And I, uh, I have a friend who died. Um, her name is Lauren Lee Meyer. And we had written a book together, and she used to work for me. And then she contracted uh, uh, a... Uh, cancer, and uh, she died way, way too early. And I can still, though, I mean, it's as if um, she never really died, because I just communicate with her all the time, especially when I'm wanting to answer questions. And, And I sometimes will use automatic writing. Right. And sometimes we'll just, uh, talk using thought language.
5: Yeah, but he always knows. But when, back to the concept of the creation happens, and if, you know, you've read about some of my husband's stuff, he talks about parallel lives and everything. So we believe that you're just, your soul is just incredibly amazing. And the way it was explained to me is that if you came down and you ended up becoming like a Thomas Jefferson. And that is going to resonate with a lot of people and he will be available. Although the soul that was Thomas Jefferson has been, you know, incarnating in many, many, many lives, you can still call upon that because it was created.
6: Yeah. The original Thomas Jefferson will always be there. Yes. Um, my friend Brad Steiger has written hundreds of metaphysical books. and uh, when he was he lived in Scottsdale, Arizona at the same time I did. and we often had uh, lunch together. and he told me at lunch one day he said, "I'm so sick of writing metaphysical books. Uh, I'm going to explore." writing in allegory. In other words, he was going to write some of his books uh, as you would if you were going to write a fiction novel, but it was going to be real. You know, they would be real stories, and uh, and so it would be very much the same type of writing, but he felt there would be a real challenge in writing in that way. And he said, I'm going to get a little help. And he was telling me about the help. And um, he said, I'm going to bring in two of my favorite writers to help me do this. And one was Edgar Allan Poe, and the other was Nathaniel Hawthorne. And, uh, and he did. In fact, when Brad sent his uh, manuscript... his agent, we both had the same agent at the time, and he sent the uh, manuscript, and uh, the guy's name was Bob, and he contacted Brad right away, and he said, I love the books, Brad, but, uh, man, he said, this reads like you and Hawthorne and Poe. I don't get it. So, uh, because his agent was a, you know, a uh, a writer's agent. And, of course, he loved words as much as Brad did. And so you could spot somebody of that strong uh, ability, like Poe and Hawthorne, very different but very distinct styles. And uh, so he saw Brad Steiger, who had been writing uh, for him for a long time, and uh, he also recognized two of these masters. So, uh, there pretty again. That's
0: pretty amazing. I mean, so what you guys are saying is that if even if somebody has passed, regardless if they were a regular person or they were somebody famous, that we have access, you have access to their spirit, that, we, that the communication can still yes. be facilitated. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, it is
5: amazing. amazing. And oh, if you're, and, oh. if, you know, if you're really protected, as we always recommend... Um, you know, it all goes smoothly. I think this is the way it's supposed to work. And I would think going back to your very first question, when we talked about separation, it would be lovely if all of us knew (laughs) that you could do this. So we wouldn't feel so separate.
6: Yeah. But you have to, you have to learn to trust. And since I've been doing this, I imagine about as long as, maybe not quite as long as Roberta, um, I can judge, you know, that this is real, um, because I've been doing it most all of my adult life, and uh, so if something is not real in this realm, it's going to stand out very strongly. Plus, you always listen to
5: your instincts, because your shots, you know, are really going to tell you if something rings true or not, and so... If it's all God-driven, it's the truth, correct? But the dark side likes to put little things in your brain that ref- that bend the light, and so you're not seeing the truth. And if you're attuned to listening and under knowing the truth, you're gonna pu- that's gonna be pointed out to you. I mean, when we have so many clients that we can tell um, whether they're being influenced by the dark side or not. It it becomes very evident.
6: Yes,
0: that's pretty. That would (laughs) be awful, I would imagine. They talk to you like the dark side's got you. That's why, (laughs) (laughs) uh, because it's like you know, there's a reason why you love Darth Vader so much. (laughs) That's right.
5: (laughs) Well, honestly, um, it's it goes back to our study about the the sociopaths. It's just quite interesting how they uh, they affect all of us. All of us. Sure. Or, you know, to some degree or, or another, and it's and I kept asking now why, why would we have to go through this? but you know I guess there's a
6: plan, yes,
0: yeah, yeah and just you know we always you talked about at the beginning of the show, they said, you know God has a plan have you guys ever seen the 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 quote unquote the plan that God has, and is there anything we can do to lobby God to change the plan so <laughs> we won't have to experience pain or, or another <laughs> bush <laughs> <laughs>
6: well. I know that God will lobby us, or He'll tell those on the other <laughs> side that He wants this stopped. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's uh, there's been a time where we were called we were called up to consult, and it needed to be stopped. But yeah, but I think
0: really, what happened? Like what happened? You yeah, guys went over it.
5: Well, I think actually the more Richard has this thing about where he takes people back to. Um, experience their pre-birth planning he calls it and that's where you're going to get your individual plan and we also have done um, really fascinating the metaphysical exams that we do where we look at several lives you know you know boom 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 and then you can see the patterns and it's quite fascinating
0: it's really amazing. Yeah. And I want to point out to everyone real quick, if you go to the website, DickSuffin.org, there are a ton of great CDs that you can download and listen to. I want to let everyone know that for at like least over 10 years of listening to some of these CDs, they've been absolutely fantastic. So I was wondering if there if there are a couple of CDs of mine that you'd recommend that would be really good for healing, uh, for somebody who's really trying to mourn the loss of a loved one, what CDs would you recommend are best for healing?
6: Well, I'm, there is one that uh, I would suggest, and then I, Roberta is more familiar with this than I am because she works with uh, with the people who buy from the uh, website. We've got a website that's got about, how many, 600? Yeah, 500. Um, but I, there, I have one that's titled, Contact Departed Loved Ones, and... I feel very, very good about that particular one. Um, So contact departed loved ones. And this would be the type of thing that I'm talking about, um, how I communicate with a a friend of mine who died of breast cancer. Um, It would teach you how to do that sort of thing. And what would you suggest?
5: Well, actually, that's under... um... In our category of psychic experience, where you're going to find most of this, and it, and the title is actually called "Walk In" and "Wanderer Probe" and "Contact Departed Loved Ones." So yes. both of them are quite interesting, but that's the but that's two that's very, very different experience. programs yeah.
6: Yeah. on the same CD.
5: Exactly. There's also one of my favorites are um, "Answers from Spirit," which are also in the uh, under the psychic, but. As far as the grief, under his Dick Sutson Classics, he has one called Coping with Grief, where you specifically are you know, encouraged to feel it and then move through it. We also have, um, under his professional hypnosis, Let Go and Let God, and those are really good, those professional hypnosis. So, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I want to let everyone know that there's also other cities about astral projection. Uh, you know, sure. basically leaving your body. If you leave your body, are you? Can that also allow you to run into a departed spirit or relatives? I mean, is that something that's common that to occur if you astral project?
6: Well, you could if okay. once you get to the point of uh, guiding your projection. You know, at first people have a little trouble guiding the projection to that degree. Uh, but then uh, practice makes perfect with astral projection, and uh, it will lead to that for sure if uh, anyone wants to uh, really develop the technique for all it can be.
5: Those are under our courses, and those are so good, Ryan. He's got astral projection. He also has intuitive automatic writing under the the courses and those are great you get two different hypnosis sessions in, in these courses plus he'll explain a lot of it you know and explain more uh, about it
0: and well
5: thank you buddy very much
0: for Oh, so well, <laughs> No, it's a course of course I want to let everyone know that before way before the Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio show was conceived I was listening on my bed to uh, your CDs and uh, you know astral projecting and having some uh fun past life progressions and uh, I've shared that story with you so many times and I don't want to put the audience to sleep about it but it's quite profound. You may decide, you may find out that you were somebody interesting in your past life. So, oh
6: yeah, or yeah. maybe not. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's
0: right. Maybe you'll find
6: out something you didn't really want to know. No, not that's somewhere. right. Well, they were a farmer in the, you know, in the Appalachian Mountains for uh Several lifetimes or something. Like, uh, <laughs> it's it is for fun. for a lot of the opportunity. It is
5: fun. <laughs> a lot of people love it. It's an exciting field to be in.
0: It is. Mr. Dick and Roberta Sutton, I want to thank you both so much for being with us today. To learn more about these two amazing individuals, please go to the website at dicksuffin.org. On there, you're going to find news, events, a ton of CDs and mp 3 downloads. I highly recommend you download all of them. But thank you so much for being with us today.
6: Oh yeah, please download all of them. That'd be great. All of them. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for having us. Okay.
0: A pleasure. Okay, everyone, that concludes part seven of the Death Show. Special thanks to our honorable guests. You know, I have to keep on changing the word at the end of each uh, show. I'm using it for All of our guests are amazing. I mean, they really are. They they truly. Uh, it's an honor to have all of them on. Because they're providing so much insight, you definitely don't want to miss the next portion of the death show, which is people who died and come back. near death experiences. We actually interviewed close to 15 people. I don't think there's anything like it out there. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Goldman McCormick PR, also are specialist in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.